So after that, we'll worship again, and then Pastor will get up and speak. <clears throat> so today, I'm talking for just a little bit on which battle... Oh, yes, you can please sit down. <laughs> Sorry. So today, I'll talk for just a little bit on which battle are you fighting. <clears throat> so when I first... I actually delivered this message to youth at a youth service, and I was planning on topping, talking on a whole other topic. I had the whole thing written, and in my prayer time, God gave me something else to say, and literally just told me all the words, and I wrote them down, and then I looked at them, and I said, God, I'm not the right person to, to deliver this, and this should probably be Sister Jackie or someone else, certainly not me. And I fought him on it for a little while, and then I just decided that I should be obedient. Um, so my struggles are probably why God did call me to speak, up, speak about it. And I've read several books and listened to lots of sermons to be ready. But at the end of the day, God told me what he wanted to speak. And, and after I talked to the youth, I was kind of like, whew, that's over. Cool. And then... God got me up several nights and with more things to say, and I was like, God, you missed it. It's over. I, I already gave this message. I'm done. Um, and then I started having dreams about standing up here and speaking about this topic, visions of this very moment, and I fought it more for a while longer and then finally uh, was obedient. So... Um, I really thought maybe it was just something in my flesh. I don't know why my flesh would want to do something so horrible. <laughs> but <laughs> here I am. Um, so still not super thrilled, but here we are. Um, Jeremiah talks about God's word burning in his bones where he just couldn't contain it. And that's kind of what this message has been like for me. Um, the closest thing I've felt to that, certainly not on Jeremiah's level, but... Um, I pray that he'd speak through me this morning. So in Ephesians 6, 11 to 12, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. How many know we're in a battle today? And the battle is only getting more intense and heated as the end draws near. The devil is running out of time and he's getting desperate. We need to turn up the heat in our spiritual warfare to fight against the devil gaining any new ground in our world. And that involves both offensive and defensive power. If we're only focused on offensively taking new ground that, and leave our backs undefended, the devil will take things that have been long defended. But if we only focus on defending what we've already won, we'll never win any new souls. According to, I, this is more research here, but according to an Army Doctrine publication, um, ADP 390, whatever that means, um, the mission variables have infinite permutations that always combine to form a new tactical situation. They never produce exactly the same situation Thus, there can be no checklists that adequately address each unique situation. Because the enemy changes and adapts to friendly moves during the planning, preparation, and execution of an operation, there is no guarantee that tactics which work 
worked in one situation will work again. How many know the devil is always learning about all the time about how to attack us better? The offense is the decisive form of war. While strategic, operational, or tactical considerations may require defending for a period of time, defeat of the enemy eventually requires shifting to the offense. The main purpose of the offense is to defeat, destroy, or neutralize the enemy force. Additionally, the com commanders conduct offensive tasks to secure decisive terrain, to deprive the enemy of resources, to gain information, to deceive and divert the enemy, to hold the enemy in position, to disrupt his attack, and to set the conditions for future successful operations. The main feature of offensive tasks is taking and maintaining the initiative. While the offense is the most decisive type of combat operation, the defense is the stronger type. Commanders choose to defend to create conditions for counteroffenses that allows army forces to regain the initiative. Other reasons for conducting a defense include to retain decisive terrain or to deny a vital area to the enemy. The defender disrupts the attacker's tempo and synchronization by constantly seeking to wrest the initiative from the attack and preventing the attacker from massing overwhelming combat power against elements of the defending force. I think you all know that we fight the enemy with our prayers. We gain insight into the enemy when we connect with our command unit, God, and we need to be praying for protection of what we have and also gaining new ground in the spirit. And this responsibility lies on both men and women. <clears throat> no one is exempt from battle. Men and women have some different responsibilities, but they're both equally valuable. In Judges 4, 3 through 10, in the first two verses, it says the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Shocker. And they land themselves in this predicament. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would come to her for judge, judgment. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinom, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord God of Israel commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went, to, went with Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun, Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. In 11 to 16, it says that they met the enemy in bat battle. Barak and his forces won resoundingly. Not one person was left alive. We'll jump down to 17. Sorry, this is long. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of jail, the wife of Heber the Canite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazar. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. <clears throat> Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. 
Stand at the door of my tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if anyone is here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and tent peg in her hand. There she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. She said, come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. A couple things I want to point out here. So great was Deborah's stature as a leader that Barak placed a condition over his commission that he would only move if Deborah joined him in battle. Men, in today's world, God needs women to join you in battle. And women, we need to be known for our ability to lead people to God. It's time to rise up and stand up for God. The world needs to hear from godly apostolic women and not just the women of this world. For the first time in history, women are truly being heard, and we need to add our voices to the mix. Men, be like Barack, who insisted Deborah join him in battle. Be willing to have women join you in the fight. We can't exclude anyone in these last days. God needs every one of us. In the book he called her Pentecostal Women in Ministry, Brother Corin, Daniel Corin says, Women today need not only to look to Deborah as a role model, but they also should do like jail. When the enemy war captain ran and hid in her tent, he, she did not try to fight him like a man, but took him down with, with tent, peg, and hammer. She saw an opportunity to do something for God and his people. She knew she could not do battle like a man, so she did battle like a woman. We can blame all kinds of things for gender confusion today. We have men not knowing how to be men and women not knowing how to be women in the world. And this can seep into our churches. Ladies, what does it look like to do battle as a woman? Doing battle as a woman, we have something that the men don't have. Ladies, I could talk right, right now about authority, about headship, that cutting your hair is, at all is the same as being shaven. I could talk about doctrine, holiness, what our church teaches, and that a woman's hair is her glory. That our uncut hair allows us to be the keepers of God's glory. But the one thing I learned that made all the difference about my uncut hair is there's enormous power in it. In 1 Corinthians 11, 8 through 10, it says, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. The word power in 1 Corinthians 11.10 is translated in the Greek as exousia power, which means the power of rule or authority. Our uncut hair gives us back the spiritual authority we lost when Adam and Eve sinned. It gives us power with the angels and it provides protection. That's what makes the difference for me. I can protect my family, my church, and my community with my uncut hair and have authority with the angels. The words because of in that verse literally means in and among. So we have power in and among the angels. Ever since I became a mother, I'm sure many of you who are mothers understand this feeling, but I have this intense instinctual protective instinct over my baby. I would literally jump in front of a moving van, take a bullet, Motherhood has woken up this mama bear inside of me. <laughs> um, and 
I believe that God intended for men to be for women to be this way. I was reading an article about men and women and risk taking in business. Doug Sundheim wrote in the Harvard Business Review about several studies that have shown that male risk taking tends to increase under stress while female risk taking tends to decrease under stress. He says one reason is there are gender differences in brain, in brain activity involved in computing risk and preparing for action. Men are ready to rush into battle with little thought as to the risks to themselves or anything else. <laughs> and we could view this that women are averse to taking risk. Or we could view it that in a battle situation, which would be stressful, that women would be feeling protective. In addition, we have the responsibility of protecting the glory of God, which incidentally was Satan's job. So is it any wonder that Satan is after our women? If he can cut the legs out from under our women, we wouldn't be able to, to advance in the spirit. Not to say that women can only be defensive and we can't go on the offense, but we definitely have a responsibility to protect. During the women's liberation movement in the 1920s, when women first started cutting their hair, we gave up our biggest defensive power in the spiritual realm. The women of that time lost the true meaning of what they were doing and left the spiritual fight to join in the worldly fight. And that's where the devil wants us. He wants us focusing on putting ourselves above others, being prettier, more successful, more desirable, and we left our back undefended. But is it any wonder that at the same time the Pentecostal movement was gaining speed? The army of God had to stay intact. Ladies, we can feel more powerful by worldly standards, or we can be more powerful by God's standards. But we have to be in submission to God, because if we throw off God's plan, we'll lead the church into sin. We have to guard ourselves of that temptation, one that has been succumbed to again and again throughout the years. The devil would have us think that it's just not that big of a deal, he would have us think that the way to power is by climbing all over and stomping on men. But the way to power is through submission to God and on our knees in prayer. We have the responsibility of protecting the spiritual realm. We hold such power and yet we don't know it and wield it in all the wrong places. And the more the devil can get us to focus on the battle for power over men in this world the less we focus on where our true power lies. Ladies, which battle are you fighting? But men, you all aren't off the hook. <laughs> God's original plan was for men and women to be joined together in ministry. Like many things in life, there's a balance here. In Genesis 1, 27 to 28, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I was reading Guarding the Channels of the Supernatural by Sister Kim Haney, and she pointed out that God told both Adam and Eve to subdue the earth. It wasn't just Adam with authority over the planet. That was before Lucifer came on the scene, and after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, they were cursed. Let's look at Eve's end of the curse. Genesis 3.16. 
It says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and she, he shall rule over thee. This means that women desire to control and rule over their husbands, and that spirit is very much at work in the world today. Eve lost the authority she had to take dominion, but thank God for Jesus because he paid the price to restore women to their proper place. But it requires the submission of our un and our uncut hair to gain the power. In closing, if you could stand, I've got to admit, not cutting my hair is the biggest sacrifice I've ever made for God. And I could stand up here for a long time and tell you how much I've struggled, but you guys would be like, wow, she's really sad. Um, <laughs> and this is one I'd only be able to make with the Holy Ghost, giving me strength. So as an aside, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, there's clean, warm water in the back, and it's a promise that you can have today. So trust me when I say, and I know firsthand, that it is not easy, but it's worth it. Worth it to be able to protect my family and my church and my community. Worth it to protect our flank. When I found out we were having a girl, I knew it was because God was helping me see the bigger reason for the call not to cut my hair. I don't want my daughter to have to fight the same battles I'm fighting. I'm sure she'll have some of her own, but I don't want my struggles to become hers. Men, this means that men and women are called together to do the work of the Lord. Women were restored by Jesus, and to take our proper place, there's a price. The devil would have both men and women believe that one has to be greater than the other, but that was not God's plan. In Brother Corn's book I mentioned earlier, he says, God did not create problems between the sexes. He created unity and joint purpose. If there is an imbalance between men and women, it exists for the same reason as historical tension between the races, because of sin. God made men and women different and distinct, but both are needed for the harvest that is coming. Let's be joined together in the army of God, working together to hold our defensive position while gaining new ground in the spirit through prayer. As we go into worship, let's pray that we can fight our battles in the spirit and not the, fight, the battles the devil would have us distracted with. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.